Okay. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Seekers Quest. Um, I'm Radha, one of the co-hosts. I have Veda here with me and Charan here with me. Um, Veda is a uh, many things. I just I just helped Veda write his bio, and I was like, "Whoa, Veda's done a lot of things." He's like basically a big humanitarian. That's what I got out of your bio. I'm like, you've done so much for humanity and lessening people's suffering. It's very inspiring. So maybe we'll go with that. What do you think about the title humanitarian for you, Veda? Maybe I should have asked you before we, we went online. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I haven't, I'm, no one has ever called me that. So I'm not quite sure how to, uh, how to respond to that. Oh, yeah. Okay, maybe we just let it marinate a little bit. I've been told I'm a human, but I've never been told I was humanitarian. No, I mean, all of your things, you do the food for the life, you do the monk mode, you do the chitta cleanse, all these things just aimed at helping people for no reason other than just to help people and lessen people's suffering. It's very inspiring. But yes, and then we have Chaitanya Sharan. Uh, our spiritual science, our spiritual scientist. I like that one. Are you good with spiritual scientists, Sharon? You're on mute. Okay, Sharon's in Vrindavan right now, a holy city in India. So he might be a little bit, um, his service might be a little bit questionable at times. But, um, We'll we'll do the best we can here. Hare Krishna. Hi. You can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Thank you. And I'm Radha. I um I am a material. <laughs> I've been quite a materialist most of my life. I'm uh. I have a nuclear engineering degree. I did that for a while. And um, now I I do a lot of service and uh, this podcast. So, so um, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and get into our topic today. We're just going to talk, the three of us today, about what inspires us about the Bhagavad Gita, which is the text that we're basing a lot of the wisdom from this podcast on. Um, we all have different experiences with it, and we're all at different places in it. I know Chitanjali as well. Both of you guys have been practicing it for decades, learning, studying it for decades. I'm fairly new, so um, but I've been experimenting a lot with it and had a lot of success in my life in it, in lots of different areas. So um, we thought we'd all just three come together and share what inspires us and. Uh, some of those experiences. Are you guys on board for that today? Can you guys hear me, Veda, Charan? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, can hear you. Okay. Okay, great. Well, maybe I'll just start then. Oh, actually, Brittany just defined humanitarian for us on the board here. She said, concerned with or seeking to promote human welfare. That seems on par, she says. So we got one vote. We got one yes for 
humanitarian. Thank you, Virginia. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and start with um, with what inspires me about the Bhagavad Gita, if, if you guys don't mind. Sure, please. Okay. Um, what I love about the Bhagavad Gita, well, one, one of the things I love is that it really genuinely meets you where you're at and gives something to everybody wherever you're at. Like, for example, well, the ultimate goal of the Bhagavad Gita is to surrender to the will of the divine. Uh, but depending on where you're at, it gives you so much wisdom to upgrade your life wherever you are. So if, if you're not quite ready to do that yet, that's okay. It, it tells you how to upgrade your life wherever you are. And when I first came into spiritual life, I wasn't ready to do that. I was like, uh, nope, well, nobody's my God. I'm, you know, I was, I was not ready for that kind of relationship, but it, it's, that's okay. It, that's okay. And it tells you it, it, you can start anywhere and you can go anywhere. And when I first came in, I really appreciated the principle of non-attachment, non-attachment to the results of your work. And I, that was like the first thing I really experimented with. And I was working, I was working as an engineer that time. And I started working with that principle, just, just trying to be a decent person, just really kind of trying to do the right thing. You know, I have, a, I had a boss, I had agreements, I had responsibilities, trying to, trying to do the best I could according to those responsibilities and those agreements that I had made and, and then letting go of the result, not getting too caught up in how I looked or what, how successful I was or what people thought, just, you know, being clear on, on the agreements that I had made where I was going and doing my very best. And when I did that, I, it was like, I felt it, it cleared up space in my mind that I could focus. I could focus more. I could, I could access points of my intelligence that I couldn't before. Cause I was too caught up in the ego, too caught up in, in trying to be instead of being. And it really just like lifted the ceiling of my material life. I started, I started uh, advancing in my career pretty rapidly. I, st I got, I started getting a lot of good feedback. It was just like, everything just started falling into place and it gave me so much faith in this wisdom. Uh, so that was like my initial experience. That was kind of my entry point in. And I really appreciated that. It wasn't about like, you need to be like this or look like this or do, it was more like, here, here's, this is where you are. Here's some things to upgrade your life. Try them on. I was like, wow, this is actually pretty substantial. <laughs> so that was my initial experience. What do you think of that, Veda? Yeah, I think it's beautiful that you're able to connect your life and to the teachings of the Bhagavad Gita. And that's what this Bhagavad Gita is all about. It's practical, applicable relevant and 
and it has very meaningful answers to to our daily questions in life. Yeah, for me, you know, I always in my life I've always felt lost from the age of five, always trying to figure out uh, who am I, where am I going, what is this place, always not feeling like I belong anywhere here. So this this feeling of being lost was a continuous uh, emotional companion that I had. And my intellect didn't have enough information or enough experience to uh, quiet down my mind. So for me, Bhagavad Gita was also when I, uh, this verse, sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, there is a verse, Yomam Pashyati Sarvatra Sarvam Chamai Pashyati. One who sees me everywhere and sees everything in me, I'm never lost, nor is he ever lost to me. So it's a verse that I, I was like, ah, this is cool. All I have to do is try to see the divine, try to see God in everything. And then I'm good. I will never feel this lost again. So that has been my inspiration. This one verse has been an inspiration in my life. How to see the divine in all beings, both animate and inanimate objects. And so I'm always trying to see how to be in a state of meditation, closed-eyed meditation, open-eyed meditation, to somehow to always find uh, the divine even in the darkest spaces. So this is Bhagavad Gita for me, how it has really helped me and put me on a track. I know where I'm going with it. I don't know if that. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that's really inspiring. I love that seeing God everywhere. Yeah. What do you think, Gerard? Can you enlighten us? <laughs> I don't know if I can enlighten anyone. I'm not far <laughs> from enlightenment, but it's. But it's been enlightening to hear both of you. Yeah. I would say at different stages of my life, different verses from the Bhagavad Gita have spoken very directly and personally to me. So one of the verses that spoke to me in my early days, when I was a student in college, I had always been a, the, among the best students. But when I came to college, I was away from home. I started really, I'm realizing I'm lost. I don't know what I'm doing or what I should be doing. And then as I talked with other students, it was, it was scary to think that I was lost. It was scarier to know that they all were also lost. They were also, we were all chasing grades and success and we wanted to come to America to study higher. That was 
Mangar goals. So we're chasing it hard. But what was the point of it all ultimately? None of us had any idea. And what, in one sense, scared me the most was that we all were lost, and they didn't care that they were lost, whereas I cared. And I felt there was something wrong with me because of which I cared. So it was that time, the Purva in the Bhagavata sixth chapter, the section. That's one of my favorite sections. It talks about how spiritual awakening occurs in people, and what it says is: for some people, purva bhyase na tenaiva riyate yavashopisa. That by the past practice, there are some people. By past practice means by practice from one's past lives. Some people just have a have questions that others don't have. Now I'm not claiming here that I had some past practice. Whatever it was, I no person knows what really our past was. But if I look at the questions I had, or rather, everybody has questions, but the questions you could say that mattered to me. The questions that mattered to me they didn't didn't matter to others. And at that time, because these others were in much more in majority, so I thought it probably indicates something was wrong with me. But then the Bhagavad Gita, uh, the sixth chapter, forty-second, forty-third texts. So this text basically forty-three, forty-four primarily. So these texts basically what they say is that there is this. Spiritual awakening. In other words, spiritual can mean many things, but the spiritual awakening that occurs, it occurs at some time in people's lives when they start asking questions about higher meaning. Now, what triggers that is a mystery. But that such questions had validity. That such questions. Actually, there was a reason for the questions. Even there are questions you could say. Normally, we think questions are forward-seeking. Questions lead to answers, but sometimes the questions themselves lead to questions. It's not so much what is the answer to this question, but why am I having this question? Why are others not having the question? So it is. I am lost. That was scary, as I said. Everyone is lost. That was scarier. But um, everyone else doesn't care, and I do. So why is that? So the Gita helped me put my experience in proper context. In a philosophical context, and that was very striking for me. Okay, okay, this is what is going on. So this is a spiritual urge, and we could say that you now we are all on a journey of. Oh, you just went it's a out. Multi-life journey. Your your sound just went out. Okay, got you. Multi-life journey. So it's a multi. 
it's a multi life journey of spiritual evolution and within that journey different places someone might be here someone might be here someone might be a someone may see like veda if the verse that he found from the bhagita that spoke to him was to see god everywhere that was struck me after many years but the idea something more to life and it's 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 acceptable and valuable to think that's what inspired me and then move forward like what you said rather that rather that that uh, at particular time in your life the things that you are pursuing stopped having meaning so it is you could say we found you could say the realm of the rat race and the rat race is where you are competing for things and even you become the top rat <laughs> but even if you <laughs> but still you don't never get out of the rat race even if you win the rat race you still remain a rat and then sometime or the other we start questioning what's the point of racing here in one sense nothing changes even after winning the rat race so i would say that question was also indicative of a spiritual awakening for many people when they get that question they think okay i just have to run the race faster i have to i have to oh, maybe not just run the race faster maybe i have to find another race to run and in that way they keep getting lost so now but when you let go now when we talk about let go what does it mean some people they have the, the idea of letting go they think it's giving up but that's not at all what it is it is actually going up it is letting go is okay there are these immediate concerns which have been occupying my mind and i am not going to let them occupy my mind anymore it's not that we are giving up is that we are going to think about bigger concerns so it doesn't mean that we no longer care for the world it's no longer that we don't function in the world it's just that we have a higher vision a higher purpose so agita talks about this functioning with a higher purpose in 1830 where we see actions as closely related with their inbuilt results not just their ultimate eventual results every action has a inbuilt result in it when we when we somebody starts drinking then the inbuilt result is that the drinking desire will increase more and more the other uh, external result may be that okay you get you get uh, you get a hangover you get a terrible hangover you get a not so terrible hangover get some liver disease you don't get a liver liver disease but now when we see that okay when i start asking bigger questions the tendency to ask bigger questions grows and that's how i grow so those are just a few thoughts yeah i i love what you said about um the rat race I guess I really relate to that when you say the rat race what happens is you get into the rat race and you get on top and then you you keep wanting to get on top or you find other areas 
you, you said it much more eloquently than this, but you, what I heard is that you find other areas to, to try to become on top for. And I feel like I did that. I did that first with education, like, okay, I'm going to get straight A's. I'm going to graduate top of my class. Okay. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to apply to all the scholarships. I'm going to get a full ride. Okay. I'm going to graduate the top of my class in college. Okay. I'm going to get another degree. Okay. Now I'm going to get into an advanced program. Okay. Now I'm going to excel in my career. Okay. Now I did all that. Now I'm going to start getting into my physical body. Now I'm going to train for an Ironman. Now this was my life. And each time it was like, as I got higher, I got, I just got more stressed. I got more like, okay, I got more pressure to be perfect or to excel or to get even higher. And it was so like oppressive, like suffocating. (laughs) And then, and then I'd switch and I'd be like liberated for a minute. And, but then I would do the same thing. The only thing that gave me any real relief was when I did it in spiritual life. And the higher that I got in spiritual life, the more bliss and connected and, and full of love I felt everything else was like, (laughs) so I could totally relate to that. Thank you for making that point. This is the Gita also talks about this, you know, at one level, we could say in the material domain, there are two things we could say. That is one is, possessions or accomplishments, achievements. And this, the Gita often devalues it. It says that, okay, don't be so elated when there is success. Don't be so dejected when there is failure, when there is profit, when there is... It says stay equipoised. Don't get too excited about it. But at the same time, while this can very easily lead to apathy, we humans naturally seek something new. We want to explore, we want to experience. So that tendency is not at all neglected in the Gita, is not at all rejected or devalued in the Gita. In fact, it says this, the, if you consider there are, there is, there is ambition. Ability and ambition, you're saying. You're, you're yeah. going out a little bit, your voice, so I might just clarify a couple things you say as you write them. So, you know, ambition are both considered to be expressions or benedictions, blessings of divinity. So the, one of the verses in the Gita says that, I am ability in human beings. And I am ambition that is not contrary to virtue, to ethics. And then there is adventure. And it says, Jayosmi Vavisayosmi. I am adventure. So if we consider the point of the Gita is not to reject the human urge for, uh, for doing things, but we do it more in a mood of contribution, more in a mood of service. So the same things which we have, we have, we have abilities, we don't de- deny or devalue them. We have ambitions, we don't demonize them. And that seeking of adventure, that is still very much there. Uh, Vedaji is, is, on his retreats, he takes people on adventures, inner adventures, outer adventures. Where some of my relatives tell me that uh, 
I I travel across the world almost nine months a year. So they say you lead quite adventurous life. I never thought of it initially as adventurous, but yeah, for some people it might seem adventurous, and it's it's exciting. It's new meeting new people, and sharing my spirituality with them, understanding their spirituality. So there are of course different people who have different degrees of adventures, but for so these things, which in one sense you could say make human life exciting, make human life livable, they are not denied. it's more a change of purpose not a, just abandonment yeah i was thinking, go ahead vidaj i was thinking when we were talking about the rat race and why why is it called a rat race because there's so many other animals and the poor rat is uh, gets a flag for it you know and i think that the the, the, the human human race is, is is very unique because i've noticed when when human beings are trying to uh sought after material accomplishments they are more ruthless than the rats they pull each other down they you know drag each other down they try to get on top and when the other one is down they kick him in the face and they just keep going to the top so somehow i feel like the human race is 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 uh is very unique because i have never seen a rat race before in my life and i have never seen a rat race where they actually pull everybody else down so they can they can get to the top and when those who are down they don't kick him in the face but the human beings sometimes in material pursuits seem to be uh seem to be more vicious than the rat race so i'm wondering if there's another race we can call you know <laughs> you know when you said you see god everywhere you see god in the rats now <laughs> when even i is right <laughs> i thought you were going somewhere else with that like rats are really low like why do we call it the rat race because rats are such a like a low species as we see them like we're kind of yuck with rats but then you're like oh the poor rats No, that in India they have temples there where they worship the rats because it's considered to be the, you know, a, a very important part of the ecosystem, and it's also considered to be a big contributor of, 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 of divine plan. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, Chetanya uh, Charan Prabhu, that this whole rat race. I mean, isn't it the human race is more vicious than the rat race? <laughs> and I, yeah. i find the, i find i every time i hear uh, the struggles that some of the students are having and when at their workplaces and and i'm like oh my god he says i couldn't believe my friend to do this to me you know he just ratted on me and you know i got demoted he got promoted and you know and then eventually i got kicked out of the company because i just kept getting kicked around and finally he's out and he's looking for another job so it seems like it's being very kind to the humans to compare the human race to the rat race mm. 
Well, you could say that you could say the human race runs on a race that is worse than the rat race. <laughs> I think so. It seems like it. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're a little bit yeah. spotty today, but and there's a delay, but we can hear you. Okay, so. Radha Priti worked in the corporate world, so she would have more experience. At this point, we could call it. So actually, whatever word we use, it's the point is that there is an endless pursuit of things, which just doesn't. It just keeps us insatiated. You know, I write in the Bhagavad Gita every day. The Gita in five twenty two, it says that when we look. Look for sensory pleasures. It only ends in trouble. It only ends in distress. And one reason why this distress is there is twofold: that these desires, at one level, they are endless. When one desire ends, a dozen desires come up. I eat one good food. And I have a desire to eat either that same food more or some new food more. Watch one TV program and go on. Maybe after some time we get bored, but after some time again the desire comes back. So the desires are endless, and not only are they endless, they just keep coming and keep coming, and they are they over time make us powerless because. They become so strong that it becomes difficult to say no to them, and that's where say that addiction. So the desires, are, the desires are endless, and they end up end up making us powerless. So, Susie, do you want to maybe turn on your camera and see if um, your connection is a little bit? Maybe we could save some of your bandwidth just because your your um, audio is coming in and out a little bit. What you said here is we sensory 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 pleasure can lead to trouble because it becomes endless and powerless. And that's where we get caught in addiction. And, and you're correlating this to 522 in the Bhagavad Gita. Right? Yeah, right. Very right. Are you able to hear me better now? Uh, yeah, let's try this. Okay, let's. Are you able to hear me better now? Sorry about this. Yes. Okay. So let's move forward. And now I was thinking that about various Gita verses that we, we found helpful. Do you want to go one more round around, or should we just speak more about these verses? We have. Can a few we go minutes. one more? Can we go one more round around? Because I have one that I want to share, actually. Is yeah, that okay? Please. Yeah, one that's been resonating with me a lot. That resonates with me a lot, but over the past week or so, it's really resonating with me a lot. It's uh, nine twenty-two. Do one of you know the Sanskrit for nine twenty-two off the top of your head? I'm sure you do. I'm sure you both do. <laughs> but I'll just read the translation so that I don't butcher it severely. 
says, but those who always worship me with exclusive devotion, meditating on my transcendental form, to them I carry what they lack and I preserve what they have. And I love this one. Um, actually, I was working with it a lot last week because I'm a person that's like used to catching on to things pretty quickly. And I'm, and I'm blessed to, be, to have a lot of skills. But one thing I'm not good at is visualization and design and and um really yeah that's that's pretty big actually and i'm really so bad at it it was actually the b i received in college was this i uh, was calc three which required us to look at a piece of paper and draw and write equations of of the picture that we saw and i was like no way all i saw was like lines on a page it was just brutal i remember just it was so brutal anyway so um, for this, for our, for the Seekers Quest, we're, we're getting a website up and I had a couple people lined up to help me, but for various reasons, they didn't really pan out. And so at the, the final hour, it kind of came down to like, okay, if we're going to get this website up and, and start kind of moving forward, I I'm, I'm, might just have to do it, which gave me so much anxiety because it's like, again, this is like my kryptonite. I have no, and I also have no trust in myself in it either. I have no trust. I had one time I had this math teacher, my, my calculus teacher, who's so, so smart. He told me the time that he'd never met anybody with my mathematical um, aptitude and deficiency for visualization. He's like, I have no idea how you think. I've never seen anything like it before because you're so bad at this, but you're so good at this. And I think because I trusted him so much, I like adopted that narrative, like, okay, I'm so bad at this. I can't do this. Anyway, so um, I I had to do this website and I'm just, and I'm completely stressed out about it. And I'm, and a few Bhagavad Gita are going through my mind. One is, um, is it two, is it 2-7 that the, I've lost all composure, my miserly weakness? I'm a disciple surrender to you. Please instruct me. Basically, Arjuna is just like, Krishna, I'm too emotional right now. I, I don't know what who I am or what I am. Please just tell me what to do. I love that one also. That one came up for me as well. Is the two seven the right? Is that what it is, Cece? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, great. So I started off with that one. That was a great one. Because, it, it, and that's the other thing that's really nice about service. It's like the three of us aren't doing this for any other reason than just to share this wisdom. Like we're not making any money. We're not. Like, like for, for me anyway, like I did the whole career prestige, like I, I'm good with that. Like, it's really just to serve our teachers and to serve you got you all. So um, it's, you get to the point, it's just like, okay, if, if, if God, if you want this to happen, just make it happen. And if not, then that's okay too. And that's how I felt last week. Like, and it was so purifying because I started meditating on this, on this verse you know, God will carry what I lack and preserve what I have. And it was just like, if you want this to happen and what happened, it was just like one thing at a time, like things just came into my life over the course of like five days that just kind of came in and out and facilitated this manifestation of this website. And I ended up getting so into it, like even things that I struggled with before, like you know, things I use to fill myself with love when I'm feeling insecure, not loved, like food, 
I'm like not even thinking about, I'm so focused on this and I'm feeling so connected in it. And, and then what happened was I wanted to like spend more time reading Sastra. I wanted to chant more. It just increased my thirst for connection. Um, just by this, just by this level of like, all right, God, what, whatever you want, if you want this to happen. And I really felt the divine take over in that. And, um, and I even pushed through, it was even purifying for me because I pushed through this narrative of like, I can't do this. I'm so bad at this. I'm so like all this false ego. It's like, you know what? This isn't me, but whatever is supposed to happen. will happen. So that's um that verse. And, and you guys will see the website next week and you can see what you think. <laughs> but, um, that's this verse has been resonating with me a lot. I really love it. And I come back to it again and again, along with two seven. So nine twenty-two and two seven. Yeah, I love what it. Guys I I would say that Rada is on fire. <laughs> I don't know about that, but your inspiration is blessings, probably. I mean just to hear both of you on the chat continuously going day in and day Thank out. you for sharing that. Say that. Veda, what were you saying? I was just saying that it's so inspiring to see you and Cece go off in the chat group, continuously checking with one another and messaging and and discussing ideas and thoughts. And I simply observe and I'm like, wow. You know, every few minutes I have to look at the phone just to see what you two are talking about so I can keep myself up to speed. It's, inc- it's, it's, it's really nice. You know, for me, this verse, Neha Vikramanashosti, is the last verse of the sixth chapter, says that in this endeavor there is no loss or diminution. And for me, it, 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 you know, it's, it's very easy for me to be discouraged. Used to be more before than now, but very easy to be discouraged because, uh, there's too much out there to, uh, to distract me. And so it's discouraging sometimes, you know, and so, this verse that in this endeavor there is no loss. You know, I've been practicing bhakti for so long and I still feel like, why am I not feeling this taste? Why don't I have this steadiness? Why is my mind still trying to wander off here and there and all over the place? And this verse gives me solace that it's okay, Veda. Just keep trying. There's no loss. You don't have to start from scratch. Just keep running the marathon. Wherever you end up, wherever you stop, you just carry on from there. So it's it's something that uh, keeps me going. Even if I, you know, slack or, you know, part of my practice is not having the same quality that I desire then it's discouraging, but I just know that this verse gives me 
the impetus for continuity and steadiness and perseverance. So this is my verse to go to for perseverance and just keep pushing through for my spiritual pursuit in life. So it's something very similar. You're always thinking of how preserve what you have and give you what you lack inspires you because you're already inspired. You're always pushing, pushing to get things happen. And here I am just trying to hang there, you know. So it's a verse that is very important to me. But I relate to your verse as well, your verse of inspiration. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yours is like there's no failure in devotional service, right? Like whatever step we take forward, however far we step, we're making progress. Even if we take one step forward and three steps back, we're still making, we still are making progress, right? Yeah. Because in material world, it's the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. If you start building an airplane and you get halfway there, there's nothing to it. I mean, it's, it's half done. You would have to do it all the way. It's all or nothing in the material world. So in the spiritual world, it's, you can always come back and start off where you left off. So I, I, I like that, you know? Mm. It's not a rat race, that's for sure. What kind of race is it in the spiritual world? <laughs> I don't know. CC, is there a term for it? The spiritual race? <laughs> well... One of the ways you could say is that, you know, if you, I like this, the material world, it's like we all are going for one position. Everybody wants to be the number one in class. Everybody wants to be the tennis champion. So there's one position and there is huge competition. And in one sense, we have to push others behind or push others aside to get to in the spiritual circle, it's not one position. It's like we are here and every one of us has a position in the spiritual world, in the spiritual domain. We are of the divine and there is a unique relationship which the divine has with each one of us. So in one sense, what we are doing is simply reclaiming our position. And each so sound is just not oh that what you're saying is such a beautiful point, but the sound quality is just really not good. Okay. You talk now. What I'm saying is that we are oh, much better. We are simply reclaiming our we are reclaiming our position. So there is a position for all of us. And that's why it's not a competition with someone else. It's a, we, there is our own position, which we reclaim as we grow spiritually. And 
So there is definitely a race. And if I see you racing ahead, that inspires me also to race forward. But I don't have to push you aside and you don't have to keep me behind. We both can inspire each other to move forward. And in one sense, often in material life also, people use the word abundance mentality. Mm -hmm. That there is enough for everyone. But that's just not the truth at the material domain. Uh, now the Wimbledon Championship is going on. Uh, hundreds of players participate. Only one is going to become the champion. You can't say there's abundance mentality. Everybody will become the champion. But there is, in the spiritual domain, there's truly that abundance mentality. Because there is a place for everyone. And my moving toward my place does not take anything away from you and your place. And vice versa. That's beautiful. This reminds me of like those like three-legged races. We used to do it birthday parties, you know, where two people get together, they tie one of their legs together and then they, it's like that. It's like we're all in the three-legged race together trying to get there together instead of like everybody racing against each other. So in the material world, we're all racing against each other, but in spiritual world, we're like, the, the, the more that we can tie together and go together, the more likely we are to even get there. Right? Yeah, yeah, perfect. That's beautiful. I like what you drew here. What do you think, Veda? I, I love this. I love this uh, statement. Um, this concept is so beautiful because uh, in the material world, this is not our home. And we all have a space in the spiritual world. And so when we try to claim home in the material world, you know, this place is too small because we are so vast. And so when we uh, think of this beautiful concept of reclaiming our home in the spiritual world, place is infinite. And so... Abundance is only a spiritual concept. It is a, because it's not available in the material world. Abundance of matter, yes, but ultimate abundance is only available in the spiritual world. So I really like the reclaiming our position concept that we're not, uh, not everybody has to fight for that one position. And that's why a spiritual journey is so sweet because there is no competition, there is no competition, there is no comparison. You have, you can go at your pace and you can support one another. And the, the more you lift people up, you go up with them. You know, it's so nice. Mm. In your world, you have to lift, if you, if you have to lift someone up, then you, you'll go down. Or you, you'll not have a tendency to lift them up all the way. Just as they go up, you may want to let them go because you don't want them to get to where you're at, you know. Yeah. This is also the difference, I feel, when you start to have like spiritual spiritual relationships, like relationships that are centered on really just trying to connect more to source together as opposed to those like material relationships that you have that are more about like affirming your ego 
and and I like when you get into spiritual life, you start to shift more into having spiritual friendships, and as opposed to again just friends that that you have fun with or friends that endorse your particular narrative, um, and those relationships become so much more authentic and rewarding. I feel those spiritual relationships that are really centered on helping each other get higher and connect. Like I have this friend, uh, this neighbor from Skokul who lives close and we hang out together and we just do these things. We just, we just read, we sing, we, we do spare things together and in each other's presence, we both just feel so uplifted to the point where if, it, if it's been like a week and we haven't seen each other, we're texting each other like, okay, when are we going to hang out again? Like we just like crave hanging out because hanging out together makes us feel more connected. And it's it become such a strong bond, such a stronger bond than those friends that I call to complain or to, to get them to, you know, it's, it's like it's like a next level bond and I really appreciate it. So you can see that play out like that. Beautiful. I think it's time to hear more of CC. Mm. I'm not sure whether I, but let's see, because we went in a different, different directions. I would say that, no, say the first point which we discussed other was about uh, about finding meaning uh, that just succeeding alone was not enough and say meaning came through spirituality and then the sense of being lost that, that so we discussed here about seeing divinity everywhere so I would say that the whole theme was about how the Gita is a living book. It's a book that gives us examples for that gives us truths that we can not only apply in our life, but we can see them demonstrated in our life around us that we can see uh, transform our lives. So I talked about how for my questions, my questions raise questions, questions about how things were working. And then that, the Gita answered that about the spiritual awakening, how it happens. And then last part, we talked about this whole thing about detachment, dependence, and the non-competitive mentality. That was probably the follow-up of that point. That there can be, I, I had said about how Ability, ambition, and adventure, all these are appreciated in the spiritual domain. But they all happen in a non-competitive way because we don't have to use seek somebody else's take, take away somebody else's position. Hmm. It is that there is a position for every one of us, and we just seem to have to through realize and reclaim that position for ourselves. So there is much in the Gita that we all can learn from. And we hope in the future sessions that we can continue sharing some of those things. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. And while we're all here, I'd like to make a, a 
quick pitch. Um, one, if you haven't checked out our Instagram, please check it out. Seekers Quest 108. Please check it out and follow us. And then two, in the link in the bio, um, I have our YouTube page, which you can check out too. Most of you probably already have. And I also have a little donate. If I'm going to just throw this out there. If everybody could donate $5 a month, it would help us out so much in paying for the thing, the infrastructure that we need to get this going and hopefully eventually be able to do some marketing and reach out um, to more people. So if everybody could go to the Instagram and click that button in the bio and sign up for $5 a month, that would be really amazing and helpful uh, to keep this going. Um, and we'll keep going Tuesday, Thursday. We'll launch the website soon you all, and you all can see it and let me know what you think. <laughs> we can go to gallery view now. And if anybody has anything they'd like to share, any reflections, does anybody have a reflection? You know who we haven't heard from? Sandra, not to call you out. If you don't have a reflection, that's fine too, but I'd love to hear from you sometime. Thank you for putting me on the spot, Hare Krishna, everyone. <laughs> but right now, I'm just tending to my son, so I'm going to pass for today. Sure, sure. Thank you. I'll just tell you a little bit about Sandra. She has a son who is autistic. Oh, wow. And, uh, I'm sorry, Sandra, I'm giving too much information, but... A loving, kind, compassionate. That, that's fine, Prabhu. It's, it, I don't mind you sharing it at all. She's such a kind, compassionate, loving mother. It's, it's incredible to watch. And the son is almost 30-something years old. And she's such a kindly and diligently caring for him. And incredible, incredible mother. So thank you, wow. Thank you so much, Prabhu. I also want to take the opportunity, since no one is sharing, I'd like to appreciate uh, Radha Priti for being such a big instrument, at least in, in this whole adventure that we're venturing out into. This uh, the seeker's quest. It it is seems like she is uh, taking such a powerful uh, lead in making sure that the beautiful wisdom of Sriman Bhagavad Gita and the deep realizations and 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 detailed. Uh, Presentations by Chaitanya Chiran Prabhu. She is facilitating all of this. To me, I am extremely humbled by her dedication and service to the Seeker's Quest. And I generally just like to come here and enjoy both of their company and all of yours. So yes, I, I am uh, so grateful to her, and if there's any way we can support her, let us support Radha Priti to, to flourish even more in this 
pursuit of bringing spiritual wisdom to everyone out there. Thank you, Robert. Your inspiration, really. She's a powerhouse. I have difficulty keeping up with her energy. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. And let's continue sharing. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Thank you.